You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. I am so excited to introduce today's guest, one of my personal mentors and dear, dear friends, Abby Gibb. If you don't already know Abby, you must. She is incredible. She is an Emmy Award winning former TV journalist, a two-time TEDx speaker, has been featured in a number of major media outlets like Entrepreneur Magazine, CNN, NBC News, and more. It is safe to say that Abby Gibb is the woman you need if you want to know about all things media visibility. And this is what she helps her clients focus on. Now, she helps heart-centered entrepreneurs turn their message into global movements through aligned media visibility. And she's really on a mission to heal media from the outside in, which she will explain all about throughout this show. I don't even have words for how much I love Abby. She is one of the most incredible humans I have ever met. Not only is she a total badass in business and knows all things about big media visibility, she has so much experience in the industry, but she is truly just an incredible friend and she is such a warrior and she is so tapped in. She is absolutely magical and I'm so excited for you to hear today's show. We talk about her experience in the television industry being a journalist covering some pretty intense stories, body image issues in the TV industry, her experiences with abusive relationships, her story of struggling with and overcoming Lyme disease, why she loves all things woo-woo, and much, much more. We laugh, we cry. There's some pretty intense, pretty intense things in this episode, but also some really hilarious pieces. So you will experience every range of emotions We play a game called, you know, you have Lyme when, which we can both play because we both have Lyme and we just talk about how sometimes you just have to laugh through difficult times. And if you're not already following Abby on Instagram, make sure you follow her at Abby Gibb. That's A-B-B-E-Y-G-I-B-B. And then you can find her on her website, abbygibb.com. You also do not want to miss out on her Movement Makers Mentorship, which is currently enrolling. It's a monthly membership that will teach you all things about media visibility, and growing your business. You can find all of that information on her Instagram. I also wanted to remind you that today is the last day to enroll for this round of the Brain Rewiring Certification Course. This is a six-month program that will train you to rewire your own brain 
and then learn how to coach other people through the brain rewiring process so you can help your clients achieve whatever result they are looking to achieve through the power of the mind. Brain rewiring can help with everything from weight loss and fitness to overcoming chronic illnesses, including Lyme, mold, cancer, all types of autoimmune diseases. It can also be used for relationships, attracting in your dream relationship, as well as bringing in more money and abundance and creating your dream business. You're going to learn how to rewire the neural pathways in your brain to become a master at manifestation without even trying. This is learning how to get to the true root cause of whatever you are struggling with or your clients are struggling with. And as a practitioner, this is an invaluable tool in your toolkit. This has completely changed my life and it completely changed my practice. And this is truly the only certification program you would ever need. I wish I had this four years ago. So first you will rewire your own brain for abundance and to attract in more clients and money. And then you will learn how to teach your clients how to rewire their brains. We're going to customize that to your niche. And then you will learn how to be an effective coach. We'll really teach you that. And business and marketing strategies that actually work because we all know that most coaching certifications nowadays don't really teach you anything that helpful with business. So this is real deal information, the same information that has allowed Rachel and I to create six figure months. So you are not going to want to miss out on this. You will get to work with me and Rachel directly. And throughout the six months, you will have weekly video and audio lectures to watch and weekly live Q&A calls, as well as Slack support in between. Plus, you will get pitched to podcasts to grow your media visibility, and you'll get access to an amazing library of bonus interviews with incredible people in this space to help you build your business. And you will also get monthly energy healing. So you'll alternate between Reiki sessions and breathwork. So much good stuff and you are not going to want to miss out on this. So if you feel called at all, book a call today, apply before it's too late. We are starting at the end of this week and the next program will not be until 2021. So you definitely want to get in while you can. Just head to brainrewiringcoach.com to apply and learn more. Again, that's brainrewiringcoach.com. Speaking of brain rewiring, which is essentially a scientific approach to raising your frequency. I wanted to tell you about a new podcast I've been loving, Activate with Laura Holloway. Laura talks about all things mind, body, soul, elevation. She's all about living in alignment, taking empowered action, and really just saying yes to your highest self. So if you are interested in living more in alignment, getting more in touch with yourself and raising your frequency, then check out Activate. You can just head to Apple Podcasts and search Activate with Laura Holloway and you'll find it right there. But now it's time to raise your vibe through this podcast. Enjoy this interview with the lovely Abby Gibb. Using clean, non-toxic, sustainable products is so important for me and I think is really crucial for anyone who is looking to optimize their health and wellness and take better care of the planet. And that is why I'm so excited that this episode is brought to you by Public Goods. I have been in love with this company ever since I discovered it and using their products for quite some time now. And they are just a one-stop shop for affordable, sustainable, healthy household products from home and personal care to premium pantry staples. And you can get them all in one place. So instead of buying a bunch of single product brands, public goods members can buy all of their essentials in one place 
with one beautiful aesthetic. I love the look of all of their products. Very on brand for me. And what I love is that Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly and innovative products like sulfate-free shampoo, organic pesto sauce, and tree-free paper products. Some things I have been loving in particular, well, definitely spices. I use them every single day. I have all of their spices. They are delicious. I have not been let down by any pantry items from Public Goods, and I've been loving so many of their personal care products. The first product that made me fall in love with this with this company was their toothpaste. I love their toothpaste. It is my favorite toothpaste now. They also have clean dental floss, And I have been using their products for my laundry. So they have laundry detergent and fabric softener that I love. And we have also been using their kitchen items like their dishwasher detergent and their dish soap. And for all my ladies out there, I have been getting my organic tampons from Public Goods. They also have bamboo panty liners and pads if you wear pads. They have so many incredible products. Nothing has disappointed me so far. And I love getting everything from the same place. So I cannot recommend them enough. I love that everything is ethically sourced and they have developed all of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives that are so common in stores today. Knowing what's in your products and where they come from is so important. This has a huge impact on personal health and the world at large. They use a membership model to help keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. And you can make your first purchase with no obligation. And another added bonus is they plant a tree for every order placed. And they have planted over 100,000 trees since September, 2019. So of course there is a special offer for listeners. You can get $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. So you have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash CRW or use my code CRW at checkout. Again, that's publicgoods.com P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash C-R-W to get $15 off your first order. And of course, when you get your order in, make sure you take a picture on Instagram and tag me so I can see what goodies you got. The Wave, um, the Wave 1, and I heard about it from Yolanda Hadid. And she is like all about it and she doesn't have to do She's a Lyme survivor too. Yeah. Yeah. And so she doesn't have to do her ozone anymore, her IVs. And I don't really, I don't totally understand what it does. Like I tried to listen to some podcasts on it. It's basically like emitting certain light frequencies that help with detoxification and killing off the bacteria, I guess. But I pre-ordered it. Do you know Scott from Better Health Guy? Yeah. Yeah. So he's like a big fan of it too, a big proponent of it. Um, But it hasn't really been widely available but I had pre-ordered it like a year ago and it just came in the mail like a week a week ago I honestly forgot I bought it but it was really expensive I mean it was close to two thousand dollars holy guacamole (laughs) you better like shoot like you know love beams I know I know so what do you feel like on it miss holistic Lindsay Lohan I've only been (laughs) I've only been using it for like four days. It's hard yeah. to tell because between that and I started sleep on sleeping on a grounding mat, I wake up every morning feeling like I've got drugged. So it's hard to tell. It's fine. Okay. Well, yeah. jury's still out. Keep me posted. Cause if you love it, you know, I'm down. Yeah. I'll keep you updated on it. Um, but yeah, I've done, I don't have to do ozone or IVs anymore, but anybody that could fa- fast forward that for themselves mm-hmm. to get yeah. out of doing that. 
Mm-hmm. I think we should play the game today, by the way, of, you know, you have Lyme when. Yeah, we should. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, okay. Before we get into your Lyme journey, let me backtrack. I've been wanting to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Abby, what did you want to be when you grew up? Mm-hmm. When you were little? I, I wanted to be, first, I wanted to be an actress. And I wanted to be like Grace Kelly of my generation. I wanted to be like big time actress. And I also, of course, wanted to be an astronaut and also a princess. The all, and I really thought I could do all three. I thought, I thought I'd become an actress and everyone would know me, right? And then I would like, you know, Little Mermaid myself into finding a prince. Yeah. So the patriarchy was real with me that I had to break through. That shit was real. Um, <laughs> And so then I thought I was going to be a princess. And then I thought like my semi-retirement job was I would just go hang out on the moon because that seemed really cool. And I also really wanted to be a scientist, you know? So like all three of those things was what I wanted to be. You kind of, you kind of achieved all those goals. I mean, in different I, ways. I think in a way, the, the amount of woo-woo that you and I are into, I think people think we live on the moon sometimes. Yeah, right. We got the astronaut, uh, being in Hollywood, even yeah, if you're reporting, that. it's an actress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, Um, I did that. So yeah, you're, you're you're a scientist. I did my own, um, Prince Charming. I did. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, but it all worked out. See, it shit happens in all of your highest good. It always works out. Yeah. Geez. Okay. So, but then that's what you wanted when you were younger and then college, what was the plan? So yeah, so then I, um, around senior year, I had been an actress. I was living in LA already and was acting and, um, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so yeah, I was already acting and I just really didn't like the industry. And my mom was like, Hey, you know, you love to perform, you love to write and you love being with people and their stories. So there's this thing called journalism. And I honestly had never given two thoughts about it, but I loved Oprah And she said, you know, you could do that. And I said, oh my gosh, yes. And from that moment on, that was it. And I just went on this journey of saying like, I'm going to be a journalist. And I became a really good one. So I went through college, did the whole thing, started out in this tiny town called Idaho Falls, Idaho. I made $17,000 a year. I qualified for food stamps while I did stories about them. Like real, yeah. And worked my way up. Um, And then I my career really changed when I started so interesting when I started to really follow my own vision and passion and really like, what do I truly want to care about? And what do I want to see um, the world get to find out about and change and heal? That's when my career really blew up. When I was trying to quote, like be a good journalist, I was just like everybody else. It was very average shit, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I found my voice in journalism that then my career took off. What gave you the confidence to do that? I gave a shit. I just started. So I was a drugs and vice reporter. So I was following. It's funny when I say this back to people not in the industry, but go with me here. So Mm -hmm. I was a drugs and vice reporter. I started following the heroin trade and how heroin was starting to go down because Oxy was going up. And then when Oxy came, was harder to get heroin started going back up. So I started following the heroin trade. And it was through the heroin trade that I figured out that that cartels were dropping heroin eventually and moving into child sex trafficking because to steal a child was free. There was that was just some brainwashing that it took for them. Right. And um, 
And it just, it was its own industry. And that we really, as Americans had thought that was something happening in like Southeast Asia. That's not here. Right. And so I was one of the first journalists in the country back in the day to show that uh, child sex trafficking was becoming a tourist attraction and that Portland, Oregon was one of the biggest places in the country that people were flying from all over to come and have this terrible, horrific experience. And on top of that, um, these children, we were not protecting them. And it was also hurting children of color more. So for instance, if a 16 year old white girl in a, in a suburb, right, she gets, she has sex with her boyfriend at prom, then he gets a misdemeanor, but potentially could also have to register as a sex offender, even though he's under age two, right? So that was one of the laws. But if a child of color is abducted, put into the sex trade and a John pays for sex with her, he has to be caught three times before it's a misdemeanor. Three Holy times. shit. So it's like, why, why is that, right? And so it was because I started to really put a face to the story and I started to meet these girls and I started to go on SWAT raids and I got really involved in it and, um, and it changed my life. And hopefully we were able to change some state laws. And obviously now more people know about it, are on the lookout in, in airports and on, you know, they're just, everybody has heard about it more now. Um, and, and that I think is in part because there were a lot of journalists like me on the ground who gave a shit, right. Mm-hmm. Who really cared about these young women. And that's the power of storytelling. And that's what I've been able to translate into my new business, of course, is why it's so important to, to continue to empower leaders to share their stories. Cause that's how we make true change in the world. Yeah. Jesus. Holy shit. Like, Oh my God. Well, it's just so, you know what I love about you? What is that? I love you too. You are like, well, you're a pink haired girl, like woman before you were blonde. Right. But you're just like this blonde white woman and people underestimate shit that always people have gone through all the time. Right. Um, but you're like, I got handed a silver spoon my whole life. Yeah. But you have like, like so many very interesting, like, aspects to your story like you have been through like so much like you are so inspiring to me um and I think that whole that whole story I mean that is a world I know not of and I can't even imagine how that would change you emotionally and I'm actually curious when your Lyme symptoms started Mm, that's a whole interesting piece too right so it was actually I didn't know this at the time but I can give you my actual timeline now right I got infected at 24 Um, my boyfriend at the time came back from, he was a journalist too. He came back from a story with ticks and I got bitten. Now I didn't have the bullseye. And and I remember like Googling and stuff and Lyme wasn't really a thing back then. Right. So this was, um, oh my gosh, 11 years ago now. So, um, it wasn't really a thing. So I thought I was fine. And fast forward, I started to have, and I used to be the kind of person that could eat anything, you know, tons of energy, never any bloating, never any issues. And all of a sudden around, I would say 26 is when I started to really notice. So it took about two years to really start to wreak havoc. And by 27, I tell this in my first TED talk at 27, I woke up in the morning and, uh, you know, the Disney, uh, we're going to reference Disney again already, but you know, the Disney witches, they're always like hunched over, right. And it's raining in the beginning of the scenes. And they're like, hello, hi. Like, yeah. right. <laughs> so I was like that. I was like hunched over every morning. I'd wake up. My hands were in balls and in, in fists. And I would have to push myself against the counter in my bathroom 
and pull one finger open at a time. Mm. And I thought I had some like advanced arthritis. And then I had brain fog. Of course, I didn't know that at the time. That led me to really not even know my own family members' names. I could stare at them and just not know. And then on top of that, uh, I would go in and I'd be anchoring. I had this show at this point and I was anchoring my show and I would throw up in between commercial breaks. And only one person, my executive producer, knew I was this sick. The rest of them thought I was either hungover or pregnant. And either way, they didn't say anything either, like to kind of just keep me protected. Um, And it just kept getting worse from there, Christina. And the thing is, what was really beautiful, and we talk about this a lot as friends, you know, your your health journey um, can be a really beautiful invitation into your soul journey if you let it, right? And so it was, as I talk about in the first um, TED Talk, there are three major breakups that we face and you can face them or you force them, but either way they're going to happen and they're for your highest good, right? So the first one is a relationship breakup, which I had, and this one here is my body breakup. And then I had an industry breakup. And so my body was breaking up with me and saying, this no longer serves you. This is not going to work. I, of course, though, being very stubborn and not very um, spiritually intuitive at the time, just kept working as if nothing had changed. So I threw up in between commercial breaks. I was in terrible pain. I had to I had to write down as I'm trying to interview people. I don't even know their names. I'm a total freaking mess. Mm. And I refused for years because my identity was so attached to success. And I thought, who am I if I don't have ratings? If people don't recognize me on the street, and this is true, like it's kind of sad now, but at the time, like, who am I? Do I matter in this world? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. does it, I did all of this for, for what? Um, If I, if I don't, if I don't see it out, because I'm so close to that finish line, right? Like having your own show in New York, becoming Oprah, like I was so close. Do I matter? And so I kept pushing my body until finally, um, it literally just gave out. There was just no, there was nothing left. And at that point I had five co-infections along with the Lyme and I started the healing journey and it was so humbling. I had to leave this big fancy apartment that I had and a show that I had, and I had to move back home and live with my parents. Like what, you know, like, and have my mom cook for me. And I slept and ate and did IV treatments and did my ozone therapies. And, um, we were joking you and I, Christina yesterday, like, Oh, I can't look at some foods ever again. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Parsley. Cilantro. Cilantro and (laughs) celery. And I I can't eat a turkey burger for the rest of my life. (laughs) Steamed carrots. Like I can't, mm -mm, nope, no, thank you. Uh, so yeah, it was a beautiful long journey. And in that process, I'll say, and, and then I'll stop talking, but in that process, um, you know, it was a beautiful soul awakening that happened of like, who am I separate from anybody else's approval? Mm-hmm. Um, anybody else's ide- identity that they placed on me? Oh, you are this whatever title, right? And, and it was a big shedding. It was a shedding of my body. It was a shedding of my identity. And I am a better person because of it. And I'm actually now really grateful for Lyme. And I wouldn't take any of it back. Yeah. I mean, praise, praise for that one. Love it. I mean, it's what I was, we were talking about yesterday, like death of the ego, you go through this process and you really have to, it's like, and it is kind of like mourning the loss of that version of yourself. Absolutely. And, and that person, you know, um, again, I use that analogy, um, of breaking up, right? Like you, the person that you want to become 
is incredible, right? You see that potential in yourself. I know everyone listening is like, yep, is nodding right now. Is like, yes, that's me. Absolutely. I know that every one of us has even more to give, but the person you are today doesn't get to come along for that ride. Mm-hmm. Every day you have to die to yourself. Every day you have to break up with this version to become an up level into the new version that you're meant to be. And there's a, there's a morning many times. That's a mm-hmm. real thing. And that's okay. Uh, I wish that I had had it, this podcast episode when I was going through it. So hopefully yeah. somebody is listening during Lyme. And I hope you just feel that Christine and I are hugging you and loving you right now because you will get through it. You will get through it and you will be a better person. And I swear on all that is good and holy, I wouldn't take it back. Mm-hmm. But fuck, can I say fuck? Yeah, you can say fuck. We say fuck all the time. Right. Fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck it. Fucking it's hard. Fuck yeah. It. <laughs> all, all of it like but, so I just feel like I should say that too right like yeah. the high woo woo stuff it's also it fucking blows a big one and that's mm-hmm. okay that's mm-hmm. true too but yeah. that's like that's part of it though because there are a lot of people who they understand the spiritual side of it and they just bypass all of their emotions and then they yeah, still, no, don't, still don't get through the other side you have to feel all the fuck shit I hate this like you have to break down totally Yep. You have to break down to break through. You have to. And then I realized that that helped me in so many other ways, right? Like it helps me when you're breaking up in a relationship, it break when you're breaking up in an industry or a career or an ego identity, you have to go through it. It's ugly. It's not cute. That shit is not cute, but Mm -hmm. I promise you that it's worth it. And if you bypass it, that's just going to come up later. Mm Mm-hmm. There's no other way around it. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you that, that, that this came out, you know, all perfect fucking unicorn namaste, but yeah, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> well, when, when you said your body just totally gave out on you, like, what did that look like? Like, what was the moment where you're like, fuck, I have, I, I have to surrender. Yeah, it was, I couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't keep any food down at all. At that point, I, they told me that I needed to go on IVs during the day. So there was no way to hide the IVs at work. Like, um, and I just, I just needed to stop. Mm -hmm. I really needed to stop. And, and I wish I could tell you actually, Christina, that that was the last time that from there I was like, holy temple body on high. I wish, but actually my story continues. And it was in my third breakup, right. In which I finally truly became friends with my body, really believed and trusted her and let it, let her guide me. but that was actually a part of my journey that took uh, five more years. I am a really slow learner, Christina. I am stubborn. I don't I, think you are, though. I don't think you're a slow learner. I think most people don't go their whole lives. Like, they go their whole lives without learning these lessons. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. But yeah, so it, it didn't actually um, come to a complete halt until I was 32. And then, mm-hmm. then the person that I am now came out of of that literal shit <laughs> came out of, of that. What did that look like? What happened then? Well, so I, after, after the, uh, you know, body breakup component, I came home, right. Stayed with my parents, super humbling. And I remember celebrating my 30th birthday at home. And here I was thinking I was supposed to be this making it to network TV by 30. And I'm instead living with my parents throwing up with an IV. That was my reality. And it was really fucking humbling. But that ego, man, you know, and I was like, I'm going to get back in TV. It's not going to stop. 
if I get back in the industry, I get invited to create a TV show. And so I'm like, yep, this is what I'm going to go do. And what don't was the show? It was called So San Diego and it was <laughs> a lifestyle show. And so I had, you know, done drugs and vice, right? Like I was like this hard news reporter. So I got to swim with dolphins and like lots yeah. of, lots of unicorn namaste glitter. And it was lovely. <laughs> it was a nice change. And so I had a blast for a while, right? It was really fun. But I also, you know, got up at 2.30 in the morning um, and went to, you know, and had to be asleep by eight. And it was hard on my body. It was really hard on my body. And I started getting really stressed again and started noticing some of my Lyme symptoms coming back. And, um, and during that time, I was also starting to cover the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And... I was interviewing these, these women uh, that were suing the county over the Me Too movement. And I started to listen to their stories. And I came home one day, Christina, and I, I, I tell this story that I, I was there on my kitchen floor in my Target underwear, eating my shaman-blessed, ethically sourced almond butter that we get, right? It's so ridiculous <laughs> that we pay that. And I'm crying hysterically. Oh, I call it the Oprah ugly cry. You know what that is. We all have, right? Nodding. I think everyone's nodding at home listening like, yep, that's me. I've been there. And no matter what kind of event, we've all had an Oprah ugly cry that just total collapse into the food. And I've also, by the way, true story, Christina, don't you feel like the serving size when you emotionally eat should be like a spoon? Yes, absolutely. Buy the spoon. Or a jar. Jar. Just straight up go into town. So that there was me. <laughs> now you can picture it. Uh, and, and I realized in that moment, I said out loud to myself, me too. And I realized that for more than a decade, I had been emotionally and physically abused and that it wasn't okay. And that I was in the process of green lighting a new TV show. And I knew that if I said anything, that everything I had just worked for was going to go away, that I had just overcome Lyme, that I had just crawled back, you know, up the corporate ladder in my career. And a lot was on the line. Um, and the stress of that, of, of feeling so, um, disaligned, right. Of knowing that my truth was that I needed to leave, but my ego and this career was telling me to stay created so much stress that I actually went to the doctor and they told me that I was going blind in my right eye from the stress that I was going to go blind. Okay. Now it's not lost on me, by the way, that I was trying to green light Christina, a health show. Oh a holistic, a national holistic health show. I was trying to become the Rachel Ray of holistic health, right? It was called Tired Girl, Healthy Hacks for the Girl on the Go. And it was just about how to like have you and me, right? How, the cooking show that you and I wanted to see on national yeah. That's what I was creating. So it's not lost on me that in the whole process of this, the universe also has a humor because <laughs> I'm here trying to create a health show and I'm in terrible health behind the scenes trying to do it. So I one day decide, you know, I can't, I can't stand in alignment with this anymore. My body is telling me it's time to break up, to break through. I have no idea what's going to happen on the other side. I worked so hard to green light this show. I've gone back and gotten my health degree, you know, all these pieces. And yet I say, it's me too. I have to go. I cannot support this. And so I quit. I quit right in the middle of negotiations. I quit everything. I quit that day and my health. Every day since slowly, slowly, slowly improved Mm. even more to the fact that now I believe that I can say that I no longer have Lyme inside of me. Mm. I believe that I no longer 
suffer from Lyme, that I have pieces that have been permanently damaged because of Lyme, right? There's some Mm -hmm. tissue damage. Sure. There's foods that no longer serve me in my highest good. Fine. That's fine. Me and cheese, we don't get along. Me and gluten, (laughs) it's never going to be friends again. That's cool. That's fine, right? Um, Wine, not my thing. Pretty much anything with yeast. Yeah. Not be my jam anymore, right? That's okay. But I also believe that I... Um, that I, I trust my body and my body is strong and healthy and, um, and the vision of what I've created since the business I've created since can only come from the fact that I truly died in all ways, in all ways to that old life. Mm. Okay. So I just sort yes, of like, it makes total sense. <laughs> no, I love it. And I want to dive into a few more aspects of that, but I kind of want to like wrap up on the line piece. Yeah. Um, and looking back, you know, especially for people who are struggling and in it right now, oh, bless them, bless yeah. you at home, bless you. What do you like, what do you think were the big things, like the most important pieces of your recovery? You oh, know, like, like what really helped move the needle for you looking okay. back? Cause I'm sure you tried everything, everything standing on one leg. Yeah. To anything, eating a carrot. <laughs> I tried it. Right. Um, Okay. So if I were listening and right now I'm actively facing my Lyme symptoms, I want to tell you first and foremost, oh, I'm getting chills. Okay. I want to tell you first and foremost that I love you. I want you to know that there are people out there that love you, that have been through this, that see you and hear you. And it's okay. It's okay to be really scared right now. And that the more you fight the feelings of how you're feeling, the longer it's going to take to heal. So the first piece is acceptance. I feel like this is like the 10 step program of Lyme, right? Yeah. But like the first piece is acceptance and saying, I have this, this is a part of my reality right now, but it won't be in the future. And I know that seems impossible, but you have to believe that this won't, this won't be forever, right? The second piece is I found an incredible doctor. His name is um, Dr. Sam Rabar. He's in LA And I call him Dr. Sam. And I think that he is an angel on earth. I'm pretty sure that he isn't even human. I'm pretty sure. And he only takes the toughest, hardest, most sick Lyme cases. And I found him after so many doctors. And it's because of him that I'm better. I 100%. He doesn't know I'm giving this, but... And when, when I finally got my diagnosis, he told me, Abby, I believe that you are meant to spread this message of hope for people. And I believe that's why I want to help you so much because I think that you're meant to share this message to as many people as possible to catch Lyme sooner, to get healed faster. Um, so Dr. Sam, I can't, I can't recommend him enough. Um, the next piece is that I, I really did an elimination diet and, I, and it really helped. It calmed my system down. So not only did I stop drinking all alcohol for a year, Um, but then I also, you know, started with like steamed carrots and spinach. And then I slowly introduced Turkey. Right. And then I introduced like jello like, and it was so hard. And I drank like, um, chicken broth and then chicken, like a little bit of chicken in it. And then a little bit of chicken and carrots. And like, it just, it took a long time. And this is the stuff that people don't want to hear. But if you stay dedicated to it, and also the last piece I'll say is I just started to really journal and listen to my body. And some days she was actually doing a lot better. She was excited and healing. And on the other day, she was scared and sad. And every day that I acknowledged how she felt, 
But also, this is a piece. I had to separate myself from my body during that time. This might be controversial, okay? But I also said, if she's hurting that day, I acknowledge that. I say she's hurting, she's scared, but that doesn't mean I have to be hurting and scared. Doesn't mean I'm ignoring it, but I don't have to associate everything that I'm feeling in my body with how I actually want to be in my day. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Because if you do, you're just going to spiral into depression and frustration because it hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I started to listen, but also not associate necessarily. And then eventually, as I started to heal, they became one again. Mm. They, they got to be safe enough that now I move as one being. But for quite a while, I'm talking years, I would say like my parents would ask me like, how are you doing? And I'd be like, well, my body's in a lot of pain today, but I'm okay. I'm doing okay today. I feel pretty optimistic today, but my body's in in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And it took that progression. Um, and then the last piece I'll say is ozone therapy, chelation, and IV treatments. And it was it, it's the kitchen sink, y'all. I wish I could tell you there was a magic bullet, but it was freaking praying, meditation, chelation, ozone therapy, um, the the infrared sweating. Uh, IV therapies, serious diet, super great friends, mm-hmm. and fucking sleep. Yeah. A ton of fucking sleep. Like mm-hmm. a lot. Like I'm talking like I slept like 16 hours a day. Yeah. yeah. Sleep for like a year. <laughs> That's Straight an up. underrated one. Well, I also wanted to ask you, you know, how that affected your relationships and if that changed your, your view on certain relationships, friendships, family, however that came up? Oh, that's another one. Thank you for asking this question because it's something that I feel so com- so much compassion. Again, I just want to like hug every person listening that's going through this because I just, oh, bless you. Um, friendships are hard because many friends don't know how to respond to you when you're sick mm-hmm. and they don't get it. And the other thing about Lyme, it's hard because you don't look sick a lot of times. So it's really hard for them to have compassion and understand why you don't feel well that day or why you're grouchy or, you know, it affects your, it changes your whole brain chemistry. So your personality changes. So, um, the good friends, they, they stayed and you might lose some friends and that's okay too, because Mm -hmm. frankly, you weren't supposed to have them anyway. And my romantic relationship at the time turned into a caregiver relationship, um, And not a romantic one. And I asked him repeatedly to, you know, you can leave. It's okay. Like this isn't, and he wanted to stay, but we understood that he stayed as my best friend and not as my like romantic partner. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's some, there was some big breakups, friendship and romantic and business and just all of it. There's big breakups that happen. But again, I can tell you the light at the end of the tunnel. I wouldn't take it back. Mm -hmm. I'm a better person because of it. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But you get to determine how positive an experience you make it. That is the control you do have. I swear that is the control you have. And don't give it up. You get to determine how you want to look at this experience. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think uh, bringing humor to it and trying to laugh every day is so important. Do you want to play our game? Yeah, let's play our game. (laughs) Our game is, you know, you have Lyme when. I'll start. You know, you have Lyme when you're wearing an ankle monitor that makes you look like you're on house arrest that emits light frequencies into your body. You know, you have Lyme when you go to a news story and you have to fly to DC and you bring an entire suitcase full of your own 
special food because you know that no one is going to have your parsley soup or whatever shit you have to eat. Okay, go. <laughs> you know, oh my God. You know you have Lyme when you wake up and one of your eyes is swollen shut. So you can only see out of one. <laughs> okay, you know you have Lyme when you can't poop for like five days and then you have to go to the hospital and of course you get the hottest nurse possible who has to pull poop out of your butt. True story. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Going off of that. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. You, know, you know you have lime when you poop out green slime for a month. <laughs> why is there eels coming out of my ass? Like, what the actual? What the actual? There are fucking eels coming out of my ass. <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't just me. It wasn't just you. You know you have Lyme when you look six months pregnant when you wake up every morning. And that's for you because it's the fucking summer and everyone's in crop tops and you're trying to wear like a black muumu. <laughs> that also, that one's true. True story. Yep. Yep. You know you have Lyme, you have Lyme when you have your Lyme spandex. Oh my God. A whole Lyme. That should be. Right? That could be our next thing. We should make a clothing line for Lyme people. We should. Extra stretch. Extra, Extra stretch. stretch. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. okay, I have another one. You know you have <laughs> you know you have Lyme when you wake up and you have dragon skin magically. Like scales oh of skin flaking off of your body. And they just tell oh, and then your doctor tells you, Oh, congratulations. That's good. Like it's clearing. And you're like, lady. I'm trying to get laid. Like what part of having sheets of skin coming off of my body is a good thing? Do you understand? What? I'm 20. I need to get laid, lady. Like, oh. oh my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, you have Lyme when you only use Voxer because you have to replay what everybody says because you forget within <laughs> I literally, okay, you might not know this because you're younger than me, but there's this movie called Memento. Um, and it's just- That's my favorite movie. Oh, perfect, right? Where he tattoos on his body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Straight up me. I do handwrite like every <sighs> to myself and look back and be like, okay, we talked to this person. This is their name. Because I couldn't remember shit. Like mm -hmm. shit for shit. Like I couldn't remember my dad's name. Like it got bad. <laughs> it got real bad. Like I think that you don't I'm need sorry. to like- get high and, vi and vape or whatever the kids do now because you just get with Lyme you're so like head is all up in the clouds anyway you feel like you're fucking stoned all the time <laughs> you don't know where you are you don't True. know sometimes I get somewhere and be like I don't know how I got here I don't know, <laughs> I don't know anything right now what the fuck I'm totally sober but I don't I don't know I don't know you know you have Lyme you know you have Lyme oh this is a good one you know you have Lyme when you make liver, you make, you make liver, celery, bone, bone, what is it called? Bone broth smoothie. Oh. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my favorite. That's liver, my favorite. Bone broth, celery smoothies. I legit drink that shit every day for a year. So come at me, bro. When you're like two months into Lyme and you're like, I don't want to do this. I'd be like, Listen, Linda, I want to help you. I want to love on you all day, every day. But this is what it takes to heal, okay? <laughs> I was like, me yesterday, and I'm like, 
you know, you have lime when you drink 36 ounces of celery juice every day and you have cilantro strings really pulling out of your teeth all day. But the thing is, at least she has a lime friend who's like, no judgment at all, at all, like totally gets it. And it's just like, by the way, Christina, you have some shit in your teeth. Just like. oh. uh, it's what else? I have a lot here. You know, you have lime. You know, you have lime when you uh, plan your calls around when you have to take your pills. Yeah, you got to oh, do it in between. Also, you know, you have lime. You know, you have lime when you're at like the Rite Aid to get the big pill boxes. You <laughs> and Ralph. 70-year-old tube sock-wearing Ralph, and you he's like, what kind of medications are you on? And I'm like, I got Lyme, Ralph. What about you? And he's like, oh, I got glaucoma and arthritis, and I got oh. this big box. And I'm like, yeah, me too, buddy. I got Lyme. Success. Oh, my God. So sad. I was going to say, you know, you have Lyme when you have so much systemic candida, you can't pass a breathalyzer test. <laughs> I really thought, I think there were times where we could have passed as drunk. Oh, no, 100%. It's like, that's a real thing. Yeah, people don't know that. They've done studies on this where they put people, like people, I don't know if there's studies, but like people will be put in jail and they're in jail. And like five days later, they give them breathalyzer tests and they're still, quote, drunk. Yep, yep. That shit is real. There was a definite party I was not invited to happening (laughs) Yeah, there we it go. Definitely. They were partying hard down there. Oh my God. When you like, you know, you have Lyme when you're sitting on the couch and the noises coming from your stomach sound like an exorcism. <laughs> like some cat is dying, being killed in your lower intestines. There's like big bubbles, physical bubbles popping like, <laughs> up. Like your upper intestines, like that's a thing, y'all. This is a thing. And then your friends are like, I don't know, you look great. I don't think you look sick at all. Like, I don't, what is Lyme? What is Lyme, bitch? Bitch, this, this right here, exorcism happening in my fucking stomach right now. I'm so, glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because every day my boyfriend is like, what is wrong with your stomach? Like, <laughs> like try and lay on me. And he's like, what is happening? What is that? Like, he's like, what did you eat? And I'm like, I haven't eaten in like five oh, hours. Oh, and he's like, oh, don't worry. I'm fasting. Yeah. Happening. <laughs> it's just all dying in there. Yeah. That's oh my God. <laughs> this concludes our episode. Our this show. Can we yeah. make this a regular thing? Yeah, we, we can. We could go on for can hours. People- People, please, will you tag us on Instagram? Will you make an Instagram story and tag Christina and I and let us know that you know you have Lime when and please tag us. You know you have Lime when. That's that's our theme song. There we go. (laughs) Fill in the blank because you know you got Lime when. (laughs) You have to be able to laugh. You have to because it's awful. Y'all, I didn't poop for five fucking days and some hot ass dude had to pull shit from my butt. Oh my God. That's unfortunate. Lie. I mean, if you can't laugh about Lyme, like you're going to just be the worst Karen. I know. Karen in the world. Oh man. Well, (laughs) did you ever see that guy again? (laughs) When? Straight from Hollywood. Here is Abby Gibb. When? <laughs> I hope people are laughing right now. I just hope we brought some laughter to them today, Christina. I I, I hope we did too. I enjoy us. I, I enjoy, enjoy you. So <laughs> At least we think we're funny. Um, yeah. And I'm like, okay, how do I segue this into the serious questions I have? <laughs> just we're just gonna we're just gonna work backward. Um, 
edit this. Well, no, I'm not editing any of this. Oh, oh perfect. <laughs> Can I have the unedited? Uncut? Yeah, of course. Always. If you feel like you have tried literally everything to clear your acne and it still is not going away, that's exactly why I teamed up with the founders of ClearStem Skincare, Kaylee Clark and Danielle Gronich, to bring you our Ditch Your Acne course. I struggled for years with acne and it took a huge toll on my self-confidence. And I know what it's like to try literally every product out there, every treatment, every supplement, every diet, and feel like you still are not getting results. It is so, so frustrating. And that's why we have created this course to give you answers and allow you to take your power back into your own hands and clear your skin for good. If you already live a really healthy lifestyle and you take all the right supplements and you eat a super clean diet, then sometimes it can feel even more frustrating. And that's why I'm so excited about this course, because you're going to finally get answers. In our Ditch Your Acne course, we cover what acne really is and its five main causes. And you might not realize how all five of these causes could be contributing to your breakouts. We also discuss products, all of the products that lead to breakouts, which includes a lot of these non-toxic products that many of you might be using and why those could actually trigger even more acne and what the perfect skincare regimen actually looks like. We also dive deep into all things nutrition. We talk about the different macronutrients and how those affect our skin health, specific acne triggering foods, including healthy foods and exactly what to eat to clear up your skin. We also dive into all of the supplements that could be breaking you out, as well as the ones that help to clear your acne. And this module blows people's minds because a lot of the supplements that many of us take to maintain our health that everyone recommends could be breaking you out. We also dive deep into gut health and how to support your microbiome, how the gut affects the skin and also addressing any underlying gut issues that could be contributing to your breakouts. And we dive deep into hormones and how they affect your skin. You've probably heard or even said, oh, it's just hormonal acne. That might not just be the case. There's a lot, lot to this. And we even talk about scarring, how to get rid of scarring, reducing inflammation, and all of the alternative therapies that can help your skin and the ones that do not work. You also get a bonus Q&A with the acne guru herself, Danielle Gronich. So if you're ready to clear your skin for good, you are done with the breakouts and you just want to get to the root cause and take a truly holistic approach, this course is for you. You can check it out by going to bit.ly slash ditch your acne. That's bit.ly slash ditch your acne. And you can use the code wellness realness for 15% off. Again, that's bit B-I-T dot L-Y slash ditch your acne and the code wellness realness will get you 15% off. This is the answer if you are ready to clear your skin for good at the root cause level. And as you go through the modules, snap a picture and tag me on Instagram so I can see what you're learning and which knowledge bombs are blowing your mind. Okay, back to Hollywood for a second. Okay, sure. I want to talk about like, I liked it. That was great. It's a nice segue, <laughs> you know? So like, I, I can't imagine what that was doing to, cause I feel like in Hollywood, there's already all this body image bullshit. And then also oh. having chronic illness, like that would be a total mind fuck. 
Yeah, it was, I mean, I already, I would say that I already had um, definite body dysmorphia that I still face to this day. Um, And it was so normalized. And that's another big piece, right? It's not, it's not just LA and California in general, but the industry. So imagine both of those things on top of each other. And then imagine that you're like distended and then you have to go on TV and have a full body video of you every day, right? Like fuck my life. Like it was awful. And it progressively became, um, I got this, I, I eventually through this process, I want to talk about this. And to be honest, I thank you for giving me this opportunity. I really want to normalize this conversation Mm -hmm. because I'm not saying that every person who faces Lyme has to go through the same journey that I did, of course. Right. But if you're somewhere in this or recognize this, I want you to please know you're not alone and it's okay that you're not okay right now. And I developed definitely a couple different eating disorders from a combination I discovered later through therapy, a combination of my industry mixed with being so hyper vigilant about food. Mm-hmm. So I um, definitely developed my own version of bulimia, um, where I would chew food and then just spit it out. And so mm-hmm. every dinner, I never ate dinner. I always chewed my dinner out and then and I guess chewed it and then spat it out. Um, also mix that I didn't want to be fat on TV. I'm using fat in air quotes, mm-hmm. uh, cause I was a size zero by the way. And then I also was scared of food because food for so long now had equaled pain for me, right? Every time I ate, I was in pain. So I just thought like, I'm hungry, but I don't want to have to go through the pain part, the bloating. Am I going to poop? Am I not like this whole journey that I had attached the story I had attached to food. So I became bulimic during that time. And then I also, what is the other one where you're like, it's the one Orthorexia. that you Yeah. So I had that one. That was not great at all either, which is of course, uh, counting every calorie. My whole day was pretty much in my head about what I had just eaten and what I was going to eat next. My whole day was consumed by that of like mm-hmm. how many calories, what's the fat macros, like counting it all, putting in all the apps, like it just became my whole life. And to be honest, it was a part for me, I discovered later, I had a ton of pressure in this industry that wasn't healthy. And on top of that, I was being abused physically and emotionally in this industry for years, right? And so to handle that amount of anxiety, to try to get control back, I controlled the food. And that for me was my my therapy. And then as I got more stressed through the day, that's why it felt so good to spit out my food at night. It was an anxiety releaser. And so that coupled together left me a hot mess. Um, And on top of that, here's what's so sad. The more I lost, the more attention I got, the more my bosses praised me, the more people said, wow, you look like a lollipop. And I remember these moments because I thought they were such praise. Like, wow, you just look like a head on a stick, you know? And I just got so little. And I remember waking up every morning and as long as I could, this is so sad. As long as I could feel my hip bones, like fully protruding, I could put my hands around my hip bones. I was like, okay, we're good. Right. And if not, I wouldn't eat all day to get that back. Right. Like I was that thin. Um, And, and it just is, it's so sad that, 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 that happened. And so if that's, if that's you, or if that's you in recovery right now, I want you to know that you're seen and heard and loved through this journey. um, And that there is, there are resources, there's help and that, 
there are lots of us eating healthy every day, whatever healthy looks like for us. And for me, that looks like sometimes sweet potato, French fries and a cauliflower crust pizza and running when I feel like it and not working out when I don't. And that gets to be beautiful and you're going to be loved no matter what. I really thought ultimately I did all of this, Christina, because I thought I wouldn't be loved for exactly this person right now. Right. Mm-hmm. That was my genuine biggest fear. And I realized that I've loved more now. Uh, everything is thriving more the more I'm being me. And I have cellulite on my ass. I have a little belly roll. I eat French fries and I've never been happier. Mm-hmm. And I hope people hear that. Yeah. I have always felt it's been such a weird journey for me too. And especially because when you're that thin, like I think the body dysmorphia, like you have body dysmorphia then, right? But oh, then like God, yeah. as you're recovering, it's still there. You know, it's, it's just still like there now. Yeah. It's still there now, y'all. It yeah. Is. Yeah. And it's like, but as I think about it, I'm like, the more weight I put on, like the more confident I become and the like just the more I am myself. On top of that, I thought about this the other day because this is so sad and true. And I know a lot of women are especially going to understand this. I ran five miles the other day and I was like, wow, that was really easy. I'm getting like really strong. Like, I don't remember the last time I could run five miles. And then I thought to myself, you know why you couldn't run five miles? Because you were fucking hungry and tired yeah. because I was eating 800 calories a day Yeah, out for two hours. Of course, I couldn't run five miles. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm like, oh yeah, food, food fuels me, makes me strong. And the weirdest thing is I'm not like, I'm kind of in my own healthy weight right now. And it really doesn't change a bunch. Like it doesn't go up or down. It's sort of just healthy, happy me. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't think, I really don't think about it anymore. I just eat when I'm hungry, go figure. And then I eat until I'm not hungry. Also very, these are new things to me though. Like that took me 10 years to get to like, oh, I just eat until I'm full. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like when you get to that place and you really think you reflect back on it and you realize how much time every day you spent thinking about food and you're like, holy shit, what right? could I have been doing? <laughs> I probably could have fucking cured cancer by now. Yeah. <laughs> how much I spent worrying about what everyone else thought about me instead of what mm-hmm. do I think about me? What do I think about me? Who am I abs? Abs, are you, do you love yourself? Like really though. And so I talk about it in my second Ted talk um, about how we can finally create more connection how we can use our stories to heal media and therefore heal ourselves. And in that journey, I asked myself first and foremost, I know there are three things that every person wants and needs in their life after interviewing thousands of people, right? Cause you know, like you, you've done so many podcast episodes. You talk to people all day. We all just want to feel seen, heard, and loved. That's it. But the most important piece is it has to start with us. So do we see ourselves first for who we really are, right? Do we hear our bodies? Do we hear the hunger and say, I, I will feed you now. It's okay. You're, you're safe and loved and trusted, right? And then do I love myself for whoever I am now and for whoever I choose to become? Mm-hmm. And that's a really powerful journey to go on. And then of course, once we do that journey for ourselves, we can then go back out and see others and hear others and then love others. And together, that's how we heal. Mm, I love that. I think it's really helpful to hear kind of like from the other side, because, you know, so many women compare themselves to who they see on TV. You know? Oh my God. But- and that's the piece I wrote this post on social media a while back. Actually, remind me, I'll, I'll post it again soon. I wrote an apology letter 
because I said, I'm so sorry if you watched me and thought that was the standard. You know, I'm so sorry that you saw me with. And again, this is no judgment on other women. Okay, it's just me as a role model on TV saying I have an eating disorder. I glue a bunch of hair to my head because I that's not a normal amount of hair to have. I glue eyelashes to me. I spray my body with orange spray paint, essentially. So I look tan all the time, right? And I'm very tired and very hungry. And I told you by being on TV every day that this is what our beauty standard is. Oh, and I've shot rat poison into my forehead because I thought that smiling and laughing were signs of weakness. Mm. And I'm so sorry I did that. I'm so sorry that you thought that, that you needed that to be loved or successful or appreciated or get attention. And now I'm 20 pounds heavier. I have pink hair, a nose ring. I'm pale as fuck and I can be loved and happy and successful. And I hope that other, I hope that by being more myself, I give permission for others to be more themselves, whatever the fuck that looks like, by the way. Mm -hmm. Love it. You're amazing. You're amazing. I just like, (laughs) I just want everyone to fucking love themselves more. Uh, no, I agree. Well, I'm I'm curious, like like amongst like reporters, Hollywood, whatever. Do, is this something that people talk about, like that they different people are struggling with this, or is it all kind of just everyone knows most people do? Every like we really talk about. There's like it's really sad. There's like barf bags in the trucks like because it's so common for girls to women to spit out their food or throw up their food and photographers just kind of look the other way Mm -hmm. um just food deprivation in general and just like having half a cookie you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. that stuff like oh brought cookies to the station and and then you see a bunch of women eating a third of a cookie you know Mm -hmm. it's like um it's pretty normal and then the other pieces of course that I I had bosses that told me things like, okay, for instance, I did a kickboxing segment and I wore a pair of yoga pants. Again, remember, I'm, it doesn't matter, but I was 20 pounds lighter than I am now. Okay. Mm -hmm. He said to me, um, you know, he brought me into the office and he has like shots of me on my live shot, you know, all pulled up. And he's like, what is wrong with this picture? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was a really great segment. Everyone really loved it. It was really funny. I'm kickboxing with like Muay Thai winners of the world or whatever. And he's like, um, this is, you, you can't wear yoga pants. And I was like, I'm sorry. And he goes, it's really distracting because some people, I mean, some body types can wear yoga pants and others maybe just shouldn't. And I said, and I just started like getting red, red and starting to cry. And, and he's like, I said, I'm sorry, what, what would you like me to wear? And he pulls up like orange is the new black, like prison sweatpants. And he was like, I don't know, just something. So I don't have to see that just something bigger to cover that up, like something that you can do. And I'm just bawling at this point. And he's like, because your body just shouldn't be in yoga pants. I must I was wearing Lululemon extra, extra smalls. Like size for 10 year old girls. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then like the following week I'm walking by and another high up person, I go to grab like a handful of almonds, right. As a snack. Cause you know, I'm fucking hungry. And he walks by and he goes, one of us is on TV. And I put the almonds back down and he said, good girl. And I knew very quickly that that was what was expected of me. 
And um, the world wants us to stay small. Right? I talk about this in my TED Talk. Christina, the world wants us to stay small in the size of our bodies and in our vision and in our voice. But the world is changing. And that's what I feel so impassionate about. The world is changing and we aren't going to stay small anymore. Not a single one of us is going to stay small. I don't want you to stay small in your body. I don't want you to stay small in your vision for your life. And I don't want you to stay small in your voice. And every one of us has a power to share. And this is what I talk about in my second TED Talk, to share our shit, right? When we share our shit, which stands for our story, our humility, our intuition, and our truth, okay? When we share our shit, our story, humility, intuition, and truth, we share that on a daily basis. Others get to have permission to also share their shit. And that is how we heal. Mm-hmm. Because it's when we hide and when we stay in shame and when we project what we think we need to show in order to be loved, right? Be seen, heard, and loved. We then reiterate to each other that we're also consistently not enough, Mm -hmm. right? So I stayed hidden and small and tiny in my voice and in my body because I didn't think that I would be loved and appreciated and successful if I showed up 10 pounds or 20 pounds heavier. And that's a part of why I feel so impassioned now to heal media from the outside in because I couldn't obviously in there, right? That's what it was like. And I'm not saying that was what it was like 10 years ago. That was what it was like just a couple years ago. Like Mm -hmm. it's still really bad. Mm -hmm. That And that was normal. And everybody heard it and nobody said shit. Nobody said shit. And they'd watch me get just berated. And they were also nervous to lose their jobs. Nobody, nobody (laughs) said anything. It was really sad. It's, it, it's a real, I, I think it really has changed, but yeah. it was a really sad place, Christina, that looks like the brighter, the lights, the darker, the lives, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't great. It breaks my heart. Like just when you were sharing that story about him talking about your yoga pants, I'm like, my blood is boiling. I'm like, right? who, who the fuck can I punch? Like, <laughs> come my on. My boyfriend hears that story and he's just like, I'm a, I'm a fucking kill him. Yeah. Literally, like, fuck that. That makes me so fucking pissed. I know. Trust me. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and then, but then, you know, you're in the middle of green lighting shows and working. Yeah. It's like, if you say one thing, mm-hmm. that's it. You know, you're out of the industry at that point. Yeah. And I think we've seen it enough now in so many different industries. And me too really opened our eyes to see that, like, we were held prisoner. Mm-hmm. And, but also we were complicit in the problem. And it was because in me too, right? One woman's story, Tarana Burke, sharing her story on MySpace back in 2006 also shows how long it's taken, mm-hmm. right? But through hundreds and thousands and then millions of people sharing their stories, collectively saying me too, mm-hmm. we uprooted industries. We sent people to prison. Harvey Weinstein, we never thought we'd get to see. And every one of us knew about Matt Lauer. These are things that were known in our industry. Mm. And it was because collectively we shared our shit, right? So now we're seeing the Black Lives Matter movement and why it is so important that in this next day and age of civil rights movement and in this and what we're seeing in the LGBTQ movement and when we're seeing in our health movement and saying that you are your own advocate for health is because we have podcasts like this, because we have social media. It's important that we just keep sharing our stories because that's how collectively we change and we heal. Mm-hmm. We have power. We have more power than we think. This only works when we don't think we have the power to share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you get backlash when you left, when you started speaking up? Yeah. I mean, I lost every friend I thought I had as a friend. I lost every friend. 
every friend in the industry. I mean, I was, I was like kryptonite, you know, 10 foot pole, like don't come near her. And that was okay. I had to be okay with that and know that I was never going to go back. Um, it was messy. It was scary. It was really scary, Christina. And I was broke at the time, you know, I'd spent all of my money on getting better in Lyme. So when I left TV, like I, I was in debt. I didn't know what else I could do. And I also like part of the abuse is they make you feel like um, you can't do anything else, right? That your only skill set is to be a journalist and like you're fucked pretty much like there's nothing else you can do. And obviously I've proved them wrong. And that was a part of um, what helped me, to be honest, I used that to fuel me at the time. Uh, God knows how to motivate me really well. And the best motivation for me is to get pissed off. He has figured this out for me. So uh, it pissed me off that uh, repeatedly over and over again, I was underestimated. Mm-hmm. And now I do it for me, but I will tell you that the first, especially six months of building my business were built off of being pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just was like, oh, I will show you. I will yes. show you how fucking great I can be. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too, right? I just want, that was the yeah. other piece really quick. I want to say um, that when you look at the word courage, inside the word courage is the word rage. I really want to encourage women to be okay with the rage that it's, it's good and healthy to be pissed off. And you can be pissed off that you have Lyme. You can be pissed off that somebody's underestimated you, that, that you were maybe also a victim of me too, or that somebody sexually assaulted you. The rage gives you the courage to take the actions that you need to take to better your life. Mm -hmm. So rage is not a dirty word, especially for women because they're like, I don't know. I mean, I kind of am a little angry or maybe I'm upset. No, no, you're fucking pissed off. You're full of rage and that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And use that to get the courage to take the action that you have to do to be a better version of yourself Mm -hmm. and hold people accountable. Yeah, I love that. I never thought about (laughs) that word like that, but it's literally like see our rage. Yeah. Like I never thought about it that way. Um, What was your first act of speaking out? Oh gosh. My first, I kind of, also, I kind of go big or go home. So my first real action of, uh, you know, me, like I don't do anything in a small half-assed way. So my first way of speaking out was on the Ted stage. And I literally almost pooped myself the day before I got on the stage and I'm seeing this red dot, you know, that you see for so long on YouTube and you're like, Oh shit, this is really happening. And I stood on that stage barefoot feeling like the carpet under me and all of these bright lights. And I am about to tell my entire story, right? I'm about to say that there are three breakups I've had. One is when I left a domestic violence relationship, right? The breakup of a relationship. The second is Lyme, which I've never really shared like how bad it got. And then the last is this breakup of the industry. And in that, I raced to the bathroom, Christina, and pooped my life away, like Lyme level poop, like (laughs) so nervous, so scared. And I just kept telling my body like, oh, it's okay. Of course you're nervous. Of course, this is a lot. That's okay. You're going to be okay. And the next day I got on that stage and I tell people a lot. uh, You've probably heard me say this, like speak even when your voice shakes. Mm -hmm. So when you watch my first TED talk, my voice shakes through almost the entire thing. I almost cry twice. It was for me a real reckoning. I did it. I told, I did my first TED talk for me purely to share my truth as messy and scary as it was so that other women knew that there is no shame in a domestic violence situation, that we all face that, 
unfortunately, in some capacity and that you, you don't have to, right? A woman that quote, looks like me, all quote, successful and all these things still had that happen. That Lyme is something so many of us face and that you don't have to put up with an abusive industry mm-hmm. and that you need to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. And that's what, so yeah, I did it. I did it in kind of a big way. <laughs> I fucking love it. That's, I mean, that's my, my kind of vibes. That's why we love each yeah, other. That's why we're friends. Yeah, exactly. Well, with that, the relationship, um, was that the first time you had spoken out publicly about that? Yeah. And it was through that, that I found it was the first time I spoke publicly about being in um, a domestic violence situation. And then he was my fiance. Like the wedding dress was in the basement. The invitations were supposed to go out the next day, Mm -hmm. the whole thing. And, and it was through that process. And it was actually, Ted was a huge healing opportunity because then I was able to come out later and say, I had an eating disorder. And then I was able to come out later and say, I had been raped in college and these pieces, I like to call them a yard sale of the soul mm-hmm. out in the open, free to just be. And you, whoever you are, get to determine when that's right for you. Not everyone has earned the right to hear every part of your story. Mm-hmm. But when you're ready to have a yard sale and let things be out in the open and have the sun out there on your stories, it feels so beautiful to literally unpack those shameful stories that are in boxes in your attic of your life. And you get to take them out when you're ready and when it's appropriate. and I found that by doing that one after another, it gave me courage to start unboxing the other ones. Mm-hmm. So now most of my quote, shameful pieces are out there to be loved and are okay. And um, the healing began the moment I started doing my Ted talk. And then I've become again, a better person. I think everybody should get to do a Ted talk at their, in their life because of the amount of healing that happened mm-hmm. afterwards. It was actually, that was the catalyst for you know, the pieces after that. Yeah. Well, that's like, I mean, I haven't given a Ted talk, but the podcast is so cathartic for me. Like, cause yeah. I just, you know, and you realize that the things you think are shameful or you're nervous about, they're really just, they're empowering for other people, you know, people relate to people, not perfection. And I will keep mm-hmm. reminding everyone of that. Like there, there's nothing you've gone through that someone else can't relate to. And the mm-hmm. fact is that it's not that maybe you've gone through the exact same Lyme story as Christina or the same rape story as Abby, but we all have faced huge traumas that we feel like if we share with anyone else, we'll be judged. We won't. And essentially, right. We won't be loved. Mm-hmm. And Christina is bravely showing you in her podcasts every day that she feels safe and loved enough. And by resonating with that story, maybe it gives you permission to share in whatever way that looks for you. And when I talk about share your shit in my second TED talk, I don't say that assuming that every person's going to go on their Instagram stories and start sharing their deepest, darkest pieces, but it starts somewhere. Maybe it starts with a conversation with a friend mm-hmm. or at a yoga studio, or maybe it's in a DM to Christina or me. It starts somewhere, but it just gets to start. You get to, you get to start sharing your shit. Yeah. Well, I think you can even start in a journal because yeah. so many people don't even say it to themselves. Right? Oh my God. Saying it to yourself first. Right. Yeah. Um, when was the first time you told anyone about your rape? I think about it. I think it was a year ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It happened like, I, the, actually, this is the first podcast I'm talking about it. So there you go. Well, thank yeah, you for sharing. Was, yeah, no. And I feel again, um, when, when people ask me, cause I teach storytelling, right. So mm-hmm. I'll say that you can share your stories, whatever story that is, when the emotional level only goes up 
to maybe your ankle or your knee. If it feels like it's still coming up past your chest or over your head, then we haven't earned the right. And it's on us. We haven't earned the right to hear your story yet. Right. So it took that long for the, for the trauma water to go all the way down to now it's about at my knee to share that story. And, um, I was 19 and I thought because I knew him because he was an ex-boyfriend and because I was drunk at the time, um, and I repeatedly said no. And I remember his skin under my fingernails as I was ripping, trying to rip him off of me and screaming, no, no, no. Um, but because of that, I thought that, that it didn't count as rape. And that even if it did, no one would believe me. They would. And, and to be honest, we've seen in America that maybe I was right at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that unfortunately, that might be true. But it doesn't have to be moving forward. And the more we continue to share, especially have this I call this the second wave of reckoning. At some point, we had to reckon with ourselves that this happened, that the rape happened. One in three women here in America by 24 will be raped. So there are thousands of women listening to this episode that have been raped. Okay. So first is just acknowledging that it happened. And then there's a second wave of reckoning. And that's when we realize that we've held this in shame for so long, that it was somehow our fault. And then there's a third wave that happens. And that's the piece where we have the rage that gets us the courage. And that's the piece where we say it's not okay that we were in a generation and in a culture where we were blamed or not believed. And how are we collectively as women going to make sure that our daughters and nieces and cousins and you know loved ones are going to be believed first and foremost, and then never have this happen. Mm-hmm. And I think the first piece is that we have to start sharing because we think that it only happens to us. Mm-hmm. We think we're the only ones Right. We, and we also think that we've been shit. We've been told like, oh, rape only happens when you're in a, you know, a parking lot by a stranger who comes and jumps over you. That's just not true. Ninety percent of the time, it's someone that, you know, and 70 percent of the time it's a family member or a close family friend. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. Right. Because like you're you're maybe still in relationship with that person in some way. You see them at a Thanksgiving event or something. Right. So. I have, again, I really believe that God has given me this beautiful opportunity. I can look back on this and I'm not, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, Christina, but you know me well enough. I don't bullshit. Mm -hmm. I really believe that I have been given a gift. Okay. I have gone through so many different traumas that women face, right? I've gone through rape. I've gone through domestic violence. I've gone through the Me Too movement and emotional abuse. I've gone through an eating disorder. (laughs) I've gone through Lyme. And so I have so, my heart is so big now, right? That I can speak to almost any experience that a woman has gone through and, and have love and compassion for them. And that is a gift. I was, I was gifted with this, but I will say that I made a, a vow to myself at 34 that I had spent the last, cause it was 24 when, when I had that domestic violence, right? So I said, hey, universe, I see that for 10 years from 24 to 34, I learned through pain and I learned a lot of beautiful lessons. And thank you. Thank you, universe, for giving me all of these different painful moments. But you know what? Moving forward the next 10 years, I'm going to learn through love. I'm going to learn through joy and ease. And I only accept and will learn through those pieces now. Okay, we've done enough. I'm good. I close my aura and my Christ consciousness to anything other than that. And it doesn't mean those hard, difficult times aren't going to happen, but I'm going to learn them through joy and ease and love. 
mm-hmm. and abundance and not fear and lack and scarcity and pain. And so that from that moment on, I can tell you that although I've had really tough times in this last year, especially um, my dad having a brain tumor, right? And me having health issues of other, like there's been a lot of stuff still. I can tell you that I've never been happier. I've never learned through more joy and love. And I think that's a conscious decision that we get to make as people who all have gone through some sort of big traumatic healing, that when you are healed, you get to choose whether or not you want to continue to learn through that pain cycle, or if you want to learn through that joy and love cycle, that's up to you how you want to move forward with it. Yeah. Oh my God. I have full body chills. Thank you for saying that. And I think, you know, it's so hard to see it or appreciate it in the moment. Obviously it's so difficult, but like you are someone who is given this, like, like this gift of storytelling of knowing how to be in big media and like share stories. Right. But like, what, had you not gone through all of this, you wouldn't be able to share what you do now. That's so impactful to people. No, I would just be like a narcissistic asshole. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like it would have been the me, me, me show if I hadn't had all of these things. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know like for me, it's just like with health, with health things that I, and other things in my life I've dealt with. It's like, it wasn't until this year where I'm like universe, what the fuck? And they're like, no, literally like, look at who you serve now. Would you be able to serve any of these people when you're fully al- in alignment with your purpose? Had you not gone through that? And I was like, no, you're right. God damn it. Like, and it's true. Like, how how would I be a a leader for millennial women in general if I hadn't been able to meet you, whoever you are, at some piece? And it doesn't mean we all have the exact same story, but I understand the fear of leaving something, even when you know it's unhealthy or scary, because it is easier to stay miserable and known than move out into the unknown and uncomfortable. I know what it's like to be addicted to pain. I do. I know what that's like in all these different ways, right? All these different ways. Um, And it's easier to identify as broken. It's easier to identify as shameful, as um, unlovable, as um, damaged goods. I know all of those feelings and I have compassion for any woman that's nodding her head right now saying, fuck abs, that's me. I have compassion, but I'm telling you that you were never broken to begin with. Right now, I'm telling you, you were never broken. You might have a deepening appreciation. You might go deeper, right, in who you are and who you're meant to be. That's true. You were never broken. You're never broken. And there's no piece of you that people aren't going to love. I can can tell you that. I, I literally just told however many people are listening to this episode, oh, here's all of my yard sale of the soul. And I feel more loved than ever before. And the more myself than ever before. And I just, that's what I wish. I wish that liberation for every person listening. I just want to give them a hug (laughs) and just tell you that you're going to be loved no matter what, no matter what you've been through, you're going to be loved and you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. That's another piece. I just wish somebody had told me when I was sitting at Dr. Sam's office crying with an IV, like Mm -hmm. you're going to be okay. Yeah. I wish the same. And I think just, just hearing that is like that first step toward liberation. Um, and something like something else that I, I mean, I feel like other people don't know about you is how freaking woo woo you are. Like that's oh. why we love each other. And like, have you always been super spiritual? I have. Yeah. So my parents, um, are spiritual teachers 
and they've taught with like the Dalai Lama and like big time shit. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. You were, so I was raised and I think that like, you know, if you're raised with like parents who maybe were like big athletes or something, you probably can run fast from like an early age. Right. Yeah. So it was interesting. You were saying something yesterday. We were just chatting, by the way, if you're listening on this podcast, Christine and I are actually friends too, if you can't tell. So we were just chatting yesterday. And she was saying something like, when did you fi- first find out your spiritual gifts or like mm-hmm. know about your intuition? So I was five years old. And I remember this very distinctly. I was five years old and my first spirit guide came to me. And I, at the time thought, I called them my guardian angels. And I remember him distinctly waking me up And so it was like grunge time, right? 1990 was when I was five years old. So I remember that he had chucks on a flannel t-shirt and he was see-through, but here, like definitely here. And I remember waking up and for a second feeling calm and okay. And he said, Hey, Abby, I remember him saying my name. I don't really remember his face. And again, it was like semi see-through kind of whatever. And He was like, so good to see you. I'm glad that you can see me now or something to that effect. And he said this in a like, in a like sense hearing. It's not like it was out loud. It was like you heard it inside of you. Um, I get it. Yeah, I know you get it. And people are like, oh shit, I get it too. So whoever's listening that gets it, you get it. And everybody else, I love you. And I hope you have this experience someday because it's real. Um, And then and then in the next moment, I started to get scared because there's a fucking stranger in my house. And I'm five. Yeah. And so I, in that moment, I'm like, oh gosh. And I remember him saying, no, 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 it's okay. I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you. It's okay. It's okay. And I was like, oh, hell no. And I get up and I remember running through him, like going through his spirit body and running into my parents' bedroom and being like, there's a man in our house. There's a man in our house. And my dad picks the baseball bat up and he runs back into my bedroom. I remember my dad like being in boxers, right? And just like, that, I like kill this man? And he runs in and there's no one there. And I was like, I swear, this is what he wore. This is what he looked like. And they were like, okay. And my mom's now in the bedroom and she's looking underneath. And we, they go through the whole house, okay? And they sit me down and they're like, now, God bless. And this is why we have this awakening for all of us so that our children hopefully have the same experience. Instead of passing it off or saying it was a bad dream, my mom's first reaction to ask me was, was he see-through? And I went, yeah, yeah, he was see-through. He was see-through. Is he a ghost? And she's like, no, what did he tell you? And I said, well, he, he said he was my guardian angel and, 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 and he was real. He was there. And my mom was like, absolutely, he's real. And here's the thing. You get to tell him anytime you want to see him, you get to say, Hey, I want to see you. And when you feel him inside of you and you know that you don't want to see anybody right now, that's too scary. You say, thank you for coming, but go away. And you get to determine when you want to see him and not. And then if there there are more of them, they're a family. And when you want to see more of them, you just tell more to come. And when you want them to go away, you tell them to go away. And so for about six years, no, till I was seven, seven or eight. I like would kind of be like, I know you're there. Please just go away. I'm not available. <laughs> <In my little laughs> and then at about eight, I started seeing them more and welcoming them more and more. And mm-hmm. um, I will say this one quick story in my, um, in my spiritual practice that's grown throughout my life. Um, I always treated journalism as a spiritual practice. I like the Ram Dass quote, always treat someone like they're God in drag. So every person I was interviewing and I've interviewed presidents and homeless people and 
drug addicts. I've interviewed everybody and I really do treat them the same. And I think that's part of what made me be a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at, so just go with this. So I'm in, just, just don't ask questions, but just no. Okay. So I'm in a car with two heroin dealers shooting up in the middle of a forest. Just, we're just going to leave that there. Okay. okay. And I'm filming them shooting up and interviewing them. But I and it's one of the largest heroin drug cartel people. Okay, so it's not super safe. And I'm like, I have they've like patted me down to make sure that this is not a SWAT standoff or something too, right? So I don't have any way to communicate with anyone because that was part of our agreement to film. And in that moment, I uh, I speak to Kuan Yin a lot. So if any of you know who Kuan Yin is, a Bodhisattva, I was raised Buddhist. Uh, she's my mm. she's my best friend. And so I call Kwan Yin's energy and I say, hey, so I kind of know this is a little shady situation. So if you can just illuminate in this forest, the greatest exit plans for me. So I know that if things go down, where should I run? Because it's pitch black in this forest. And in that moment, as I'm meditating, I, whenever I'm like really in source, I get very, very hot, Mm -hmm. like almost sweating hot. Um, And then I all of a sudden see two big lights, like floodlights illuminate on either side of the forest. And I see one path leading to a neighborhood and I see another one leading to a highway mm. right away. And I say, oh, okay, I see that. Which one in my head, I'm like, which one will be faster and safer? And it says, go to the highway. The other light goes down and this one gets even brighter to my right-hand side in this car. And I was like, okay. And I never had to. But I knew in that moment that I'm always seen. Mm-hmm. I'm always seen because I am also, right? I am that which I am seeing. I know that I am awareness itself. And so now I take this woo-woo spiritual practice. And now I call myself like almost a business witch, right? Because I have intuitive powers that I use with clients like Christina. Mm-hmm. And I just say for a second, and I only work with people who understand that. So I say, hey, I'm getting a directive from source. Hold on. And I use it to like know what to do in business. Because why mm-hmm. would... Why would God only work in what? In a church? It doesn't work in the boardroom. It doesn't work yeah. on Zoom. No, God works on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, sources. And I will literally tell Christina and I love her because she's like, okay. I'm like, sources telling me it should be 997. And she's like, okay. Yeah, literally. Well, and it's so funny. Like um, the first time we met, I don't know if I've told you this. Like, I so know. Oh, I love this. Go, yeah. No, I want to, and maybe you can share too if anything comes up. But the, I was like, Kaylee had been telling me about you for a while, and I was like, oh my god, like, <laughs> like if she talks to this Abby chick one more time, I'm like over it. Like, she just is, was so obsessed with you. I mean, she still is. Um, yeah, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, is this woman just like shit crystals? I don't get it. Like. And I, you know, I didn't, but I didn't know anything about you. And I was just like, what does she do? And she's like, well, she's helping us, you know, with media visibility. And, um, she's amazing. She she was like, she knows everyone. She used to work in Hollywood. She knows she has a lot of contacts in Hollywood. Like that's all she was telling me about you. So I'm imagining like, okay, you worked in Hollywood. Like you have all these great connections, blah, blah, blah. Like that's all I know of you. And then Kaylee is like, oh, you should connect with her because you guys might have like crossover. Like you could refer some of your clients to her and she might be able to, to you. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And I'm kind of, I kind of have like a bad taste in my mouth about it because I'm a Hollywood person because I'm so tainted from all my years in LA, you know? Yeah. And so, and and I didn't, and then we get on, we get on the zoom and like, 
And I straight up, to, I don't even know what the fuck happened, but like classic, like it ends up, I'm going to work with you. And I was like, well, here's the thing though. Like I am very spiritually led and I can only work with somebody who like honors that. And cause in my head, I'm like, I don't think she's woo. I don't think she gets this at all. So I'm thinking that's a deal breaker. And you're like, okay, yes, I totally understand. We only listen to source. And I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like when I just said that, I was like, okay, cool. That's great. It's more efficient. But sometimes I have to like sugarcoat it for people that aren't quite as in tune. Yeah. Well, I think given my experience that it should be this price. And with her, I just am like effectively like, okay, so Source just came into the room and I'm for sure supposed to tell you that this is what we're doing. Yeah. Okay, great. And then has it not worked out like beautifully? It works out amazingly. That's why I think everybody should use that tool in business. Like it's so, I think it's so important to work with somebody like, because most of the people listening to this podcast are on this wavelength, right? And so if you are led by something higher, you need to work with somebody who takes that into account and can work with that energy too. So I think it's like, I in the second TED talk, I in share your shit, right? The intuition, I call a paradigm shift of leadership. And it's that we need to have financial literacy, but also emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So the masculine energy, and I don't mean gender identification, okay? But the masculine energy has always been, what do I know, right? What can I prove, right? And it's all about numbers and, and that hard systems. And we need that in business. That's great. I need to be able to have a container, right? If you think of it, the masculine energy is like the riverbank and it gives... Uh, form to what you want, right? But there's also the emotional intelligence, the deep knowing, the capital K of what is the right next step. And that tuning in also deserves equal footing. And that's like the river itself. It moves, it's fluid, it's energetic. And it and when you put your foot in, it's never going to be in the same place twice because the water's always moving. So when I meet with Christina, I never have a pre-described idea of what she needs I let both of our intuition guide us while also being fluent in the energetics of the masculine that help us to give structure. Mm -hmm. Because of course, Christina loves to be in her feminine. So she wants to create 6,000 things every single day. And I think that's beautiful. And I, my goal is to trust her intuition and also give her structure riverbank Mm -hmm. so that it actually comes to fruition, right? Mm -hmm. So that she can actually continue to make the impact and the income that she's supposed to do. And That is a different way of leading. And I think I really love to empower more men and women, but especially female leaders, whatever type of leader you are, if you're a coach, an author, uh, if you run a company, if you're a mom, like you're a leader in some way. And I just want to empower us that we don't have to do it in a masculine way anymore. Mm -hmm. That what we do is just as powerful and important. Yeah. Well, and you get so much better results when you're not just stuck in your left brain. Like, when they're shit, you, they're like, I don't know. This doesn't make logical sense, but I'm going to do it anyways. It works. Like I, it works so well. All the time, Christine, I'll just be like, I just want to make this thing. I'm just going to do this thing. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> when have I ever said to you, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. You've never said that to me. <laughs> I have said, we don't get to do it right now. Mm-hmm. So I will say like, that will come after we finish this one thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And then sometimes I like to play games with her because I, I hear numbers or I hear things in my head. Oh like, my God. Can we tell this story? Yeah, tell the story. Tell the story. So basically we were trying to figure out, <laughs> trying to figure out pricing for something. And Abby wouldn't tell me what we both like had an, like a number pop into our head, two, two different pricing options. 
two different numbers and she was I like wrote them down on my paper yeah she wrote them down and I was like tell me what came through for you and I, she was like no, no no I want to hear what came through for you and I told her the numbers and they were the exact same number and these are random ass numbers these are not like <laughs> and they each had three digits okay yeah. so very random numbers and I had written them down to be like look I didn't just like say oh yeah and make it up like um, and it's just fun because it's, it's fun to play on that intuitive level mm-hmm. and that gets to be as much of an important part of our business as mm-hmm. looking at what is the ROIs and the KPIs. Those are important. We need to know them. We need to set numbers. Like Christina will know, I will reverse engineer her numbers and say, if you want to hit this by Q4, we need to sell this many products. You need to be, you know, mm-hmm. of course we need to have structure to a business. But if she comes to me and she says, like how we started, I want to blow up this entire part of my business and start this whole thing because source told me last week and my Akashic records say I need to make this thing. Yeah. I'm never going to say, I, I'm going to, of course, I'm going to be like, sounds beautiful. I <laughs> do that today. Is that what we're doing? Call? And she's like, yeah, we're going to build it on this call. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Great. Let me, um, let me ask source. For, oh, yep. Source says we should do that today. All right, let's go. Like, <laughs> fucking love it sometimes I'm just like where are, like, are we out of control <laughs> I think I think it's the piece that you know you think about the feminine energy is the creative force of the universe right mm-hmm. we literally can make anything when you yeah. in your divine feminine you can create anything in the world the piece I will say though is that you still need that masculine framework so that it actually gets done yes you at home are nodding your heads as a multi-passionate maybe entrepreneur and you've got six half done projects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so that's when you're too much in your feminine and you do need to have that masculine side. And then there are people, I have clients who are very much in their masculine, regardless of gender orientation, but they're very much in their masculine energies and they won't dip their toe in and just dream, get a little bit bigger, get more creative, enjoy the flow of it. Say, I don't really know how it's going to come out, but I have this trust that that's what I'm supposed to do next. And I really mm-hmm. want to encourage people to be bilingual in their energies, in business especially. That's like part of my jam. Yes, I love that. And that's a great note to end on. And you are, you know, a wizard with all things messaging, sharing your message, big media, all the things. Um, and we didn't even get to talk about that. So I'll probably have to have you come back on so we can talk yeah. talk more business, biz stuff. The biz and woo-woo stuff, but um, tell people about your different offerings and like how they can work with you, learn more from you. Yeah, totally. Well, first and foremost, come follow me over on Instagram. I'm a real human. So it's just at Abby Gibb, A-B-B-E-Y-G-I-B-B. And then it's the same thing on my website, abbygibb.com. I have a bunch of really good freebies for you there, learning how to start to grow your message, turn it into a movement, how to get on podcasts and stages and TV and all that stuff. And I also, um, especially for my five figure earners, I have a membership once a month. You get to hang out with me plus some goodies. You'll see that on my website. Um, and doors are open now through July. So I don't know. When does this air? I mean, I can push it if you want. Yeah. Let's just push through it. end of July. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I don't know. I'll put it up in the next couple of weeks. Perfect. So that means that you're hearing it in time to come hang out with us. So yeah. I you on my monthly membership called the movement maker mentorship and it's rad and come hang out with me and be woo woo and dream big yes all the amazing things well abby thank you so much for coming on the show i could talk to you for hours and i would love to have you back it's so this is so much fun and um i hope everyone enjoyed our game of you know you have line one no you have line one
Tag us on Instagram. I would love, right? Yes, I want it. Let me, when people are like, you know you have Lime when? Oh, I can't wait. You know you have Lime when? I love it. Bonus points if you sing it. Yeah, like stop. we'll give you something. Christina and I will come up with it. Yeah. You know you have Lime when? Okay, amazing. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. But thank you again, Abby, so much. Love you. I love you. Thank you so much to the incredible Abby Gibb for sharing her incredible story and so much knowledge. This woman is real deal. You can find more from her at abbygibb.com and on Instagram at abbygibb. And make sure you check out her Movement Makers Mentorship currently enrolling. Don't forget today is the last day to enroll in this round of the Brain Rewiring Certification course. This will be the last round of 2020. So head to brainrewiringcoach.com if you're interested in enrolling. That's going to be it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and I'll chat with you again next time.